on Instagram. And so if you guys want to follow me there, I think I've got, let me do this. I can do this really quick. Well, nah, we'll skip. We'll do this next time. So here's the new formatting. So uh, going forward, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be mixing in some news with some trades, with some psychology around like one, how to be a better trader, but also how to like accumulate wealth because it all starts with your mind. And so this is kind of the breakdown of what we're going to be going over today. I'm going to start with a trade. So we're going to jump right into the markets, like right in the beginning. Uh, one to, to get you guys engaged, but also to give you an idea of like a strategy or something that you could actually take away that's real uh, and actually go do your own research and like just decide like, is this a trade that I want to take or not? Uh, the second is we're going to do like a motivational or a, I'm going to call it a psychology or like a trade psychology session where we're going to talk about a tactic or a skill set or a belief is more uh, the, the language that I would be using around like, how do I get my head screwed on straight so that I can see my blind spots that are causing me to lose uh, in trades, get out of trades too early, not hold trades long enough, not get out of trades soon enough. Like what's going on in my head that has me not doing this right or not following my plan or following my system. And then we're going to do some educational stuff. I'm going to get you updated on just some, some things that you may not be up to par in terms of like language or uh specific education uh, in the markets, like financial literacy, we'll call it. And then um, then we'll do some quick news and then I'll jump back in and we'll try to have enough time to do a second trade today. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump right in. So the market that I chose to trade is actually gold. And the reason I picked gold is because it has so many applications. When you're trading gold, and by the way, I've got green charts up, but this is uh, gold traded on the Forex or currency platform. So this is XAU USD, but you can see this reflects pretty much the spot price of gold. So about uh, $1,900, almost $2,000 an ounce. If you're buying it in actual coins, uh, it's going to cost you much more than that, right? Because you have to pay sometimes $100 to $500 per whatever you're buying uh, to get it minted. And so there's a little bit of extra cost out of just getting it out of this. A lot of times they call them like Hershey Kisses where they're just like these blobs of gold or these little bricks or bars of gold that need to get transformed into something smaller. So there is a premium tacked on to gold uh, if you're to go out to like a gold dealer and buy it for something long-term. But let me, let me tell you my theory and principle around gold and why I, I love the asset class uh, I'm very bullish on gold, and there's some reasons for that. One, when you're trading, regardless of what it is, one of your strongest positions you can have in any type of trade, and now this is some financial literacy also, but one of the strongest positions you can have is, un is owning the underlying asset if you believe that the asset has value, if you believe that the asset has value growth potential. now. Fiat currencies are getting beat up more now than ever, especially after the pandemic. And you can see that growth in gold, uh, even like here was COVID back here. But you can see like this is gold is not going away. Right. We're going to keep using it in these semiconductors. We're going to keep using it in, in like these uh, NVIDIA chips that are going out. Uh, across the country to process things for AI. There are tons of computing. The components, it's a rare earth mineral. And frankly, as we continue to print currencies, currencies start to lose their value. But gold is a rare earth mineral, and it's really hard to get out of the earth. It's really expensive. It takes fuel. It takes man energy. And you just can't make more of it. You can go mine more of it, but it costs something to mine more of it. You just can't make more of it. And so gold really has a strong intrinsic value as like the basis. Now, having said that, I'm going to give you two different trade setups. This goes way back in time, by the way. I pulled up a daily chart, and I'm probably going to break this down into a very simple trade. But let me tell you what I'm thinking here. When I trade, 
the first rule of any trade, especially if you're not following something that's been back tested or you're not using an indicator or you're not using something that's going to trigger uh, your trade, which I plan on actually teaching you guys how to do that later in here. But regardless, when you're trading, the first rule, if you're not doing some system or something like that, and you're doing some type of value trading, is you want to get the underlying trend. And so we're just going to take the last week trend. And so I'm on a daily chart here. And so if you click into a daily, you can clearly see that we came off of this earlier this month. We came off of this short trend. And then the dollar either weakened or gold got some value because of some purchasing that was happening. You know, it did kind of bounce off this 1875 level, the 1900 level for sure. And now we're in this new kind of trend going up. And I really like to get these levels good. So we're gonna have to adjust this a little bit. Sorry, I just, I, I'm really picky about these. Let's get this kicked out here. I wanna get these tops perfect. There we go. Oh, that looks beautiful. So what I call these are channels, uh, typically in a drawing tool of any type of charting software, uh, it's called a channel, but a channel is a non-linear sloped support and resistance level. So there's support in this channel on the bottom level, there's resistance at the top, and you can see as it like goes up into this trend, it's definitely bouncing off of this. So I like trading the trend. I just do. It's this weird thing that I have uh, that follows popular demand, follows results, right? And so I like to do things that make me money. I don't like to do things that don't. So it's very uncommon that you'll find me trying to pick a high or a low and get into it. I will typically allow a new trend to set up before I ever get into it. I'm not someone who likes to pick the very top and the very bottom because of the risk potential. But because of this trend, I like the buy positionality of gold right now. And a lot of people would say, well, what about this candlestick pattern? You know, this is a doji, or you could say it's a, you know, a hammer or something like that, which is typically an indicator of like a reversal, but it's not high enough. And it's so low inside the channel that I really think that there's some potential from a technical standpoint, just looking at data, just looking at numbers and price, there's a technical advantage going towards the upside. You can just see that looking at this chart. So if I were to place a trade, the first thing after I've identified the trend is I'd want to get in any major support and resistance levels that I might be hitting against. And so I'm, I always mark my support in green. And we're going to back this up so I can get some good levels here. But there's clearly support in here. There's clearly some resistance. Uh, yeah, it's like right here. This is this is going to be the the one we're fighting to get through. You can see it's not that strong recently, but it was strong back here. And then there's more resistance back here. Let's bring this. Ooh, it's like right in this level. And then there's kind of this, when you start to get to all-time highs, you start to really have a hard time identifying where the new tops are. But we'll put one there also. And then let's put one more in on the bottom. We've clearly got some support back in here. Let me just check these levels really quick going back in time. Yeah, I like, I think this is more real. I'm not seeing anything back here on this. So we're just kind of kind of lightly. Sometimes I'll change the colors too. So if it's like, yeah, it's not as strong, I'll put in like a light red color. But here's our support and resistance levels inside of our tech inside of our channel. So I've got a long channel. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten days, so about a week and a half. I feel strong about this. So if I was going for a position that would be about you know a half or a quarter of a day's movement, that would be a really easy entry to get in and out of. And we've got plenty of room to get that, even with the resistance that's going to be pushing us down off of this red line here at 1959. So here's how I would put our trade together. And this is just really easy to see. Obviously, you'd be getting in sometime here. I like this price because we're at the floor. You can see we're at the floor of our channel. So I'm, I'm not opposed to a price anywhere close to here. Like this is not a bad price to be in at. Then I would be looking 
at a smaller term chart. Let's see if I can, we're gonna keep this here. Pull up a 30 minute just to kind of get some movement so I can see how far we've got. Sorry, I'm just looking at some volume here. ATR is 4.5. Yeah, I think that's fine. Let's do, we're gonna, I'm gonna pull a fib on today's high and low. So easily to 38, I would say, and when I say easily, I mean, this is, it's very likely for the price to go. And of course, this is, these are all my opinions, guys. That's why I throw a disclaimer. You got to do your own homework, but I'm going to speak freely here. This is uh, 41.5 is a pretty easy target here. Uh, and with the proper stops, you could, you could do a really small trade. So I'm going to give an option here for a trade. Let's put this in really quick. You could put in a trade right at our existing price, which is fine. I take profit here at 38, which is going to be 1941. And then you're going to want to put a stop loss in right below your all-time low is usually where I put it. If, if you put it somewhere in here, which a, a lot of traders will do that, they'll do like a two-to-one ratio or... You know, they'll have a very stag stagnant or static pragmatic approach like two to one three to one that's all fine i'm more of a dynamic uh trader when it comes to scalping and i would definitely call this more of a scalp trade but i would have my exit outside of the wick of this previous candle because i'm targeting a retracement of 38.2 percent so here's your first trade a buy into uh 1941 45 so that would be your exit your stop loss at 1933 obviously watch your leverage you guys are going to set that up on your own but i'm going to give you let's see 19 it's 914 i'm going to give you one that's a little more long term because i actually think there's more potential that we might be leaving on the table with this trade and so the thing i like about this too look at where 1934 is i want to just kind of show you guys this on this chart here so 1934 is like right let's see if we can bring it up to that level right here so you can kind of see it here and then our take profit on this one was about 1941 really small by the way i feel pretty strong about this and so that's a pretty small trade because of the potential in this trade, you could put in a much larger take profit, which I would recommend based on where this is positioned in the channel. Always try to get larger gains and have smaller stops. I found my most profitable accounts come with very tight stops and really long gains. And this is just a rule of trading. And we're following the second rule. The first rule is trade the trend. And the second rule, is to let your profits run and cut your losers short. And so this is the opposite of that. We've got a very short take profit and a very long stop loss. And so I, I typically don't like this, but it's a great scalp trade if you wanna go in something quick that you'd be in and out of just to kind of test this. But watch this, this is how I would actually trade this. I would put in a trailing stop somewhere between halfway in the channel meaning the next day. Now I get it's Friday and I get Monday, we'll wake up and it's gonna be a whole nother day. Doesn't really matter. I would be, you, you just can't do that unless not trading Friday is a rule for you based on your results. But I would be actually taking a take profit somewhere close to 1952 or 1950. And I'd have my stop loss still set at the same point, right around this 1934. So you can see the difference in gains. This is going to be like three times the size of my stop loss, where the other one was like a third of the size of my stop loss. And so this is a pretty strong setup. I'm going to zoom in on this so you guys can get the details. But here are the two trades that I've just set up, both stop losses. And you might as well on the other one, make sure you kick it out beyond this uh, support level. We, we don't want to get it. We don't want it to touch there. 
and then like kick us out. So here's the, the stop. And so I'm gonna put in a stop loss here, take profit here, same stop loss for the take profit here. You guys can decide which one to go for. This is my preferred trade, 1952. And so we'll leave this up, see how it goes today. And I'll throw it into a SIM if I've got time uh, after this account, but I've already, I'm already pretty bullish on gold uh, as it is. So there you go, there's the gold trade. So moving into this, a lot of you guys, if you're trading, investing, looking for ways to like improve your financial situation, um, you just don't have your head screwed on straight. I don't know how else to say it. I've been doing this for over 15 years and through years of making mistakes, uh, losses in, in accounts and in trades, I feel like I've finally figured out the, these like simple one, two, threes, ABCs of like how to improve my trading account, how to improve my investment strategies. And I want to show you a tool that I actually created. I've got a book that's coming out April of next year. Uh, right now, the title is kind of up in the air between my, with my publisher, but we're testing some stuff. But I want to show you this tool that I developed for uh, this book. And really, it's this is a very broad tool, but I'm I'm just so big on self improvement and like getting our self out of our own way. Like I would say that the major reason that you're losing in trading if you're struggling isn't a system. It isn't the market. It's you. And the crazy thing is, is, and I, I want you to chew on this just for a minute. If you're struggling with your investments, if you're struggling with trading, that's a, a pretty hard thing to do. Meaning it's a pretty hard thing to do to lose. It's a pretty hard thing to do to not make money. And I want you to let that sink in for a minute. Because most day traders fail over time, right? Like within their first year, a new day trader is likely to have a negative account versus a positive account. And the reason has nothing to do with the thing I just said before that. And that is you should actually have an advantage trading. Like you should actually have an advantage investing in the market. And here's why. The market is generally bullish. As we innovate, as things get better in the, in the economy, as, as we grow and come up with new tools and new ways to do things, there's actually more uh, growth or product that comes from our innovation. And so as you invest in the market, the markets typically reflect that. And if all you did was invest in the S&P 500, all you did was let the top 500 companies dictate your investments, your rate of return would have been astronomical. You would have, you would have outperformed most hedge funds, in fact. And so the idea that you can't make money trading or investing is just ridiculous. To have a bullish position in anything is always more probable than having a bearish one. It just is. It's just how the market works. And so uh, bullish over bearish is also a rule that I've, I've learned. I'm always more bullish than bearish because of just how the market works. Obviously, we have a lot of like hype stuff that comes up that really gets us scared about like, should I be worried about you know a recession or the market? Yes, you should always be. But you should always be more bullish than bearish. And I made that mistake. I actually learned that mistake very early on. 2008 is when I got started in this business and also learning to day trade. And I got really programmed into bearish because the mark, we, I started trading in the worst market conditions possible. And we were pulling profits out of the market during that time. And to... To be in a bearish market and then have it flip and go up for as long as we... I, I lost a lot of money during that transition because I was in a bearish mindset. But generally speaking, you should be bullish. So here's here's kind of my psychology piece for today in this training. And I, I developed this after... Just to give you guys some back, my own personal background. Uh, I come from uh, pretty humble, humble means but a world like a massive investments in self-improvement. Uh, I do personal coaching. I coach, uh, I actually coach a handful of businesses. Um, I've been in coaching for years. There was a, a time, even last year, I think I was coaching up to like 30 different businesses. And I love doing it because it worked for me. I got the success. I teach the principles to others. They get the success. And it's kind of this like, I don't know, call it an addiction or whatever you want, but I love success and I love teaching people principles of success. And this was, this is like the highlight. Like if you were to take my book and say like, what is it about? What, 
what are we driving with this book that you're developing? And how is this going to help my trading? I'm going to summarize it all with one word, and that word is integrity. And integrity is all that matters when it comes to your success in trading. It's the only thing that matters. When you're trying to grow a business, it's integrity. When you're trying to have a relationship, it's integrity. It just doesn't matter. If you have a goal and you're not getting to it or you're trying to get to it, the only word that really matters is this word called integrity. And so I found after coaching for years and going through my own coaching, by the way, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in coaching. In fact, and I'm still being coached. My personal coach is Jay Abraham. We just went down to California, my business partner, and I, uh, and spent a whole weekend with Jay. And so I don't know if you know who Jay is, you're welcome to look him up, but I spent over $100,000 just to get coaching with him. And so I'm a big advocate of this. I spend money to be coached in this, to have my blind spots revealed, but I'm here to help you do the same thing, at least on a small level. And so I developed this, call it a, a pragmatic approach to getting underneath actually fixing our habits, actually fixing the problem that's keeping this, this insanity running, whether it's your trading, whether it's you're living poor, you're, you're, you're living below your means, you, you know there's, you have more potential than you actually have. It doesn't matter. It's all about integrity. But here's the problem. When I used to do these trainings, I used to get huge rooms filled you know, we typically get, you know, two to 300 people in a room. And I would start by teaching people the importance of being on time. That's all we would do. And then I would create multiple breaks and I would create all these challenges that would intentionally have people forget about the first rule. And that was to be on time, to be back in their seats at the time we said we would. And then when they wouldn't, I would spend sometimes an hour cleaning this up. Because here's what happens. I want to give you why this is so important in just one quick example. Everyone has appointments. Everyone has meetings, right? Whether it's a doctor's appointment, being to school on time, what time you're, you have to be on, on time for work, whatever it is. We all have agreements around time. And I want you to see what happens when you show up late. Say you have an appointment and it's not the air, airline. By the way, airlines, they don't do, they don't deal with agreements around being on time like everyone else. The door closes, you miss your flight. But just about everywhere else, there's this weird agreement that we've created. Let me, let me kind of unpackage this so you can see what's going on. But let's say you show up to my meeting. We're going to meet. I'm going to teach you how to trade. I'm going to show you how to make some better investments. I'm going to teach you some financial literacy. And while you're sitting there, or while you, our appointment's scheduled for, let's say, 10 a.m. right after this, and you're five minutes late, and you walk in, and this would have been me, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago. You would have walked in, you would have been like, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm late. You know, I had this happen, there was traffic, my kid had this crazy thing happen in the morning, so sorry. And then what would I do? I would go, that's okay, let's go ahead and get started. Because being late is like so common. It's so, uh, it's something that happens so frequently that it actually allows the rest of our life to get just completely out of disarray. Like we just get completely out of integrity and everything else because we're, we're allowing ourselves to be out of integrity with this one thing called being on time. So if I allow this person to be five minutes late, I'm actually making a new agreement with them. That's a very subtle one, but this is what it looks like. It's saying, because I'm not holding you accountable for being on time, what I'm actually saying is it's okay to be late because when I'm late, to the next thing that you put on, maybe it's some event or something that I want to go to. And I'm five minutes late and I walk in with my excuses. Guess what you have to do? You have to give me the same cur courtesy that I gave you when you showed up late. And that is, oh, it's okay. We'll give you the hall pass. And then nothing gets fixed. And like a broken window that we really want to fix because it's in the way of our life. It's getting in the way of like uh, our financial freedom. We just put a Band-Aid on it or we just put some tape on it, hoping that it's not going to obscure the view. The window is going to heal itself with this tape. I don't know. It just makes no sense. And so it just doesn't work. And so I, as I coached people and we would, I would give them ex like, look, you got to do this, this, and this in your business or trader. You've got to do this, this, this in your plan. It was insane to me how they would come back after a week and they wouldn't have it done. And then 
just like being late, they would apply the same strategy. They would come to me and they would say, I'm really sorry. This week I had this, 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 and this happen. And it's like, do you want your life to change or not? Right? Do you want it to change or not? And so I developed this to very quickly like break through our habit of actually not cleaning up our uh, our own personal integrity when it comes to like having the life that we've always wanted, having the financial freedom that we always wanted. And so it's really simple. And this is how it goes. The first step rule is to drop sorry. Don't apologize. Knock it off. Like stop apologizing to the world for your tardiness, for your in a, your lack of motivation or your lack of uh, drive to actually do the thing that you did. Because really what's missing, and we'll get to this, what's missing is something new. The reason that you didn't do the thing you didn't do, the reason you showed up late is because you do it everywhere. It's a reflection of your life. And when you wake up to that, you start to see that there's something going on in my life that I just don't know how to create new habits. I just don't know how to like actually fix the window. I keep putting tape up and that's how I was taught to do it. And so therefore I keep going in these circles and here I am on the, the Market Pulse podcast going, please tell me something, give me something that's going to change my life. And here it is. Here's how you do it. You drop sorry and then you get really clear on like, what is the agreement that I broke? So if it's trading, if it's your own investments and they're going negative or they're going the wrong way, you're out of integrity. And so the, the agreement you have is to make that account more money. The agreement you have is to show up to work on time. The agreement you have is to be financially free, whatever it is. And I would say financial freedom is actually a human right. It's like an internal thing that we all have. So to say like, oh, I don't want to be financially free. It's like, well, then you're just out of integrity of being human. Like this is inside of all of us to have this type of freedom. So anyway, you want to acknowledge the agreement that's broken. You want to get really clear. And then it's so important that you understand and you get the impact. We skip this. So like, for example, if it's your trading account, if it's becoming financially free, it's like, okay, what is this impact? What's it? How does it impact your relationships? How does it impact your health? How is it impacting your spirituality? Like your ability to connect with others, your ability to connect with a higher power. And then ultimately, how's it affecting your bank account, right? And so when you get the impact, you start to see like, okay, is this enough leverage that I'm actually going to tip this thing over and I'm going to recommit to this or not? And it's really important that you do one or the other. It's like, you know what? I'm not doing this. This thing about being on time, I am not going to be on time next time. I'm letting you know I'm going to be late. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, then I can deal with that. I can say something, you know, I just don't show up. Or you know what? That That's fine. Just make sure you come in the back and you're quiet, whatever, right? But it's a new agreement. And here's the part of this that I would say, and guys, I've met with ex millionaires, by the way, people who've made millions who still struggle to do this. And they struggle to do this last step. They commonly miss it. And this is the hack. If you could get through this and do this enough to get to number five, then you've, you've figured this out. Like you, you'll have quantum leaps in whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. And that's create something new. So if it's your financial freedom, create something new. If it's being on time, create something new. If it's uh, fixing, getting into, repairing a relationship, whatever, create something new. The thing that has you losing, the thing that has you having a lack of integrity around whatever it is you're doing is that you just haven't created a new structure. You don't have access to something new and I'm going to do better. Isn't it? Or I'm going to try harder. That's not it. Or I'm going to do more of that's typically not it. It's got to be something completely new. Like, Oh, I'm going to create a new reminder that I've never done before. I'm going to get an accountability partner. I'm going to wear a bracelet to remind me, or I'm going to fill in the blank, right? Fill in the blank, but it's got to be something new. Otherwise you can expect the same results. And you guys know this. The definition of insanity is repeating the same cycles and expecting the same result. And so you guys got to get out of this insanity loop. So there you go. So there's our little motivational tip. This will help you exponentially uh, in terms of like your trading. I will continue to bring it up. Uh, if you're someone who's investing and like you have some goals around what you want your investing to look like, great. Set all those. 
But the integrity intervention piece is huge. And when my book comes out, you'll be hearing a lot about that. All right, so let's jump into the second piece on here. We're following kind of a new itinerary on uh, today's podcast. And I like this. I like mixing it up this way. We're going to jump into, and this is this is crazy. I, I'm glad I am learning about this. So if you feel like, wow, how did I not know about this? I didn't either until recently. I knew what was going on in other countries to some degree. I, I like the, the macro. I like geopolitics. I like all that stuff. But one of the conversations we're going to have is this conversation on the BRICS. The, I, I would also call it de-dollarization. And this is a scary illustration. I Whoever put this together, in fact, I think, you know, I think it's on the bottom here. There you go. Visual capitalist. These, these guys did a brilliant job with this because I didn't really get the impact of how progressive, how much the BRICS expansion is moving. And for those of you who are seeing this for the first time, let me get, get you caught up. So the BRICS is, oh, it says it right on the top. The BRICS is a block of developing countries formed in 2010. It's set to welcome six new members at the beginning of 2024. And we'll go through that in just a second. But the BRICS is a, it's a pack. It's a de-dollarization pack where they're going to come up with a form of currency, a way to exchange that doesn't involve the dollar. Because right now, the dollar used to make up 80% of all global trade. And I've heard people say 90%. People come up with all these crazy statistics. It was 80, now it's 79, okay? So it went from 80% to 79% over the last two years. Not a huge drop, but this is one of the main reasons is other countries aren't using our dollar. And it's crazy to think, you know, we have all these other currencies. Why are they using the dollar? It's because the U.S. made an agreement with most of the world to police the oceans, to police trade. And so we're the ones who come in. If there's a trade issue, there's some pirate taking ships off containers, our military, our Navy goes in and fights them. Our, we take care of it. We go put the handcuffs on. And so people use the dollar in exchange for that. Well, because China, Russia, and these growing nations are trying to get their own you know, global, they're trying to be their own superpower, so to speak, they're trying to get off the dollar. And they're creating these packs with other nations to do that. And I just didn't realize how impactful this is going to be, meaning that they will likely see more de-dollarization, even though right now the dollar is killing the ruble, like Russia, and it's it's killing the yuan because of the war that's happening in Russia. I mean, that's that would be my the biggest indicator I could point to. But look at this. Look at how big the BRICS is. So GDP... All these countries, if you take the collective GDP, which is gross domestic product for 2023, it is now making up 29% of global GDP. So if they all switched off the dollar completely, that would take a huge chunk of the dollar being exchanged as almost 30%. It used to be 25, but 30% of all of these countries' GDP uh, is coming Part of our members of the BRICS. Now, here's another scary part. Almost 50%, 46% of these countries make up the population of the world. So 46% of the entire world's population live inside of these countries. I'm not that concerned about that number. I'm way more concerned with GDP. That's why it's on the top here. But oil production is another one. And of these countries, 43% of oil production is coming from these countries, which is why the U.S. is making such a huge move to having energy independence, because then we don't have to flex our dollar and we don't have to use other currencies and these, obviously, this BRICS expansion to uh, purchase oil in the future because energy is like the underlying basis for all GDP. And then exports of goods these countries make up 25% of exports. Now, there were six new members that got added. They are Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Iran, the UAE, Ethiopia, and Argentina. These four, or excuse me, these six got added and they will officially be members January 1st of 2024. So this is obviously a growing uh, effort. And 
its main target is the dollar, which if you live in the US, obviously impacts you. So what does that mean? If you're trading currencies, or if all you're holding, this is how I would say it. If all you're holding is the dollar, if you have all of your money sitting in a dollar, yes, how much is there may not go away, but what it's worth will change. And we've seen that with inflation over the last three years, right? The, uh, the value of a dollar to become a, even a millionaire these days isn't that big of a deal because it's like, it's not worth much. You know, it's worth like what $100,000 was 20, 30 years ago. So it's like, we, we're just not there anymore. The value of the dollar is going down. And this is one of the main reasons is the currency wars happening in our country. So I would be watching this really close if I was trading currencies and specifically against the currencies that are a part of this. Obviously the Euro to US, which is the top currency traded is not a part of either of these. And so you're not gonna get a lot of movement around this. However, if you're trading any of these other currencies or have interest in trading any of these other currencies with or against the US, obviously it's gonna have impact. Also, the trade that we just made with gold has everything to do with this. Gold value, the, the, the value is such a weird word. It, I wouldn't call it value. The price of gold will go up as we de-dollar, as the world de-dollarizes. And what I mean by that is as it's just inflation. Gold, one coin of gold is worth one coin of gold. I just want you to think of it in those terms. If all we were trading with was gold, you'd be thinking in terms of gold, not in dollars. And so one ounce of gold is worth one ounce of gold. But what if the dollar that we buy it with starts to lose value? Well, then the price of gold starts to go up, not because it's worth more, but because the value of the dollar goes down. And so I like to watch things like, again, why I'm bullish uh, on gold. Now you have to be careful with that. I, I said I'm generally bullish, right? But if you're taking a, a currency like the dollar, I'm pretty bearish on the dollar. I do not see us getting back to 80%. I do not see us going above 80%. I would expect to see 78% next, 77% next in terms of how much the dollar is being used for all global exports. Uh, so anyways, that's the BRICS expansion. That gets you guys updated on some, some education on like what the BRICS is, why we should be concerned about it. But it's not a big deal. Just diversify. Own things other than the dollar, right? Own some gold. If, if you have a bunch of cash, diversify, maybe get into uh, like a small percent, maybe five, 10% into crypto. I, I'm, a, I'm pretty bullish on Bitcoin right now also. All right, so there you go on that. Let's see, what are we doing next? Oh, okay, now we move into news. So there's our little educational piece. I'm gonna move into this chart next. And I think you guys will like this. This is, we've talked about this before. But this is like one of those fun things that I like to do where it brings trading to reality. Meaning like one of the things I value the most about learning how to trade and like becoming financially literate is it affects everything from like, should I buy a house right now? Should I buy a car right now? Should I uh, in invest or hedge in this? Should I be worried about these type of purchases? Should I wait? I mean, even sometimes weeks to months, guys, this makes a huge difference. And I want to talk to you about probably one of the most common assets that Americans own, and that's cars. And once you learn how to trade and become financially literate, you'll learn how to time these things, how to save yourself thousands of dollars. I would say 10, 20, 30% often just by watching the market and deciding like, yeah, you know what? I can wait a little bit. And so we're going to talk about cars. And this chart uh, is a little old, but it's still relevant. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because there was actually a, a article that came out this month that said that last month we just hit a all-time two-year record high in car inventories. And so if you understand just very basic supply and demand, when you have a enumerate amount of supply, it drives prices down. When you have an enumerate amount of demand, it, it drives prices up. And we've seen that with the housing market. Well, because of all the stimulus that we dumped into the market, all this extra money and low interest rates, it made it very affordable for people to get new cars and thus car prices rose because of 
interest rates being low and inflation, right? So we had all these factors happening. Well, we're going through a deflationary period. Interest rates are at an all-time high. Getting a car loan is ridiculous. Yes, you can get lower loans, but they're using those as incentives now to get you into cars. Uh, but the prices are high. They're insanely high. I think the average car right now in the U.S. is like 44 uh, new cars, like 44,000, which is insane. But I thought I'd break this out because I did a couple posts on this. They went way viral. I had almost 100,000 views. And it was based on most of the comments and questions I got were like, well, what I'm, I'm thinking about buying a Toyota. What do you think about this? I'm thinking about buying a Honda. What do you think about this? Well, here's the answer. If you are in the market to buy or sell your car, call this a demand chart, meaning that prices will be impacted the least where there's the least days of supply. So the, the cars on the left have the least amount of supply. The cars on the right have the most, and it's getting worse. It's gotten worse, by the way. All of these numbers have gone up. However, uh, the chart generally is going to be about the same uh, this month as it was back in the end of uh, April or or March, end of March in this case. So Toyota, if you're looking to buy a Toyota, a Kia, a Lexus, a Lotus, Honda, they don't have a lot of supply, so they don't feel incentivized. They don't have a need to go out and give you a bunch of uh, discounts or lower their rate or give you a, a great loan or give you a big discount off of, you know, it coming off the lot. They just don't have a reason to do that. In fact, I would say once you get to the national average, so you, this green line here is the national, everything on the left, you're going to have discounts because days of supply are still at all time to your high. It's not going to be as bad as it was two years ago. They're not moving product as fast. But if you're looking at a car anywhere to the right of this line, you're in great shape. And the reason I bring this up is you might consider changing what type of car you get just because of this chart. They made some mistakes. They overbuilt based on the demand that happened over COVID. And so I'm not saying one of these cars is better or worse, but if you could settle into a car that you felt you know was reliable was good and you know whatever you're probably going to get your best deals on the right side which are going to be your rams your buicks the jeeps chryslers jaguars infinity dodge lincoln ford and it really drops after that even ford there's a pretty big drop in days of supply and here's how this works you know it's it's like everything there's going to be a new year and then a new model and then a bunch of new supply that gets cranked out by these manufacturers. Well, what happens at the end of the year when you have a ton of cars? And by the way, just drive by a car lot. Go by a car lot and you're going to see this problem. You're going to see the problem that there are cars just filled inside of all these new car lots. And so the takeaway is, wait, the takeaway to me, the data says wait. And if you look at some of the newer data, it also says wait. And if you look at the time in the year, it also says wait. So I would be, if you're in the need for a new car and you can wait a couple months, I'd wait at least till the end of the year. You're going to see a lot of end of year. And then the beginning of next year, they are going to be offloading cars so fast because they're going to have all this inventory that didn't sell at the end of the year. And now it's a year old. That car is no longer a 2024, it's a 2023. And you want a 2020, they're already selling 2024s for next year. And so they're going to be discounting the 2023s on an insane level. And so if you can wait till next year, I would highly recommend it, which means go get the thing serviced, go you know replace the part, get the tire fixed, the windshield, whatever. Do the small repair to hold you over, wait till next year if you're looking for a new car. Now, I have a lot of people ask me, well, what about used cars, Matt? And it's just the same thing. And by the way, there's a bunch of trades in here that I want you to be thinking about. But used car market is the same. It's the same problem. People are now going to be holding their used cars longer, which just puts more. It, it really creates the same problem. If you have new prices drop, you're going to have used cars drop as well. In fact, I had my Range Rover listed, uh, unfortunately got hit. Someone like, my cars never get hit. And someone backed into my car in a parking lot uh, two weeks ago. And so the door's getting fixed on it. But regardless, it's nothing what it was worth a year ago. Nothing. 
like 30% drop. Used car prices have dropped a ton. And it's because inventories, the levels have come up. Everyone's kind of sitting and not buying and moving into new cars. If you had two or three cars, people are offloading them now. So we're definitely feeling the pinch. And uh, oh, what I was going to say about this is you want to be looking at like what markets would this affect? And we had this happen during the last uh, major rundown in 2008, where stocks around used car parts and repair places went through the roof. So think if people are feeling tight, where are they going to, where are they going to constrict? And then how are they going to be investing? And used car parts made a huge rebound during the 2008 crash because everyone was buying parts to either fix it themselves or they were taking it to a, a repair shop and they were fixing it uh, for them. But regardless, used car parts went through the roof. And you'll have to do your own research on this, but just look up used car parts stocks. And there are a bunch of publicly traded ones. And I, I would be pretty bullish on those for the next two years. Anyways, uh, there's my news report on cars. And now we're going to go back in and I'm going to blow your mind on this next trade. So we've got 12 minutes left, just enough time for me to put in another trade. And I want you guys to see what I'm about to do. It's it's going to change your perception a little bit uh, on trading, but I think that's fine. I'm going in back to gold and we're going to put in another trade. And there's nothing wrong with this. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'll do this and the trades will actually hedge each other. I'll have one trade that's long and another trade that's short. And it has everything to do, it's, it's not right or wrong, right? If I used to do this in seminars, uh, trading seminars that I would do where I'd get a huge group together and we'd be teaching them about some skill set around trading. And then I'd pause from a psychology standpoint, and I'd ask the whole room, and you know, maybe ask yourself this, like, are you bullish or are you bearish on gold? And the whole room raised their hands one way or the other. Sometimes they'd look, oh, like, oh, I'm, you know. But regardless, the room would typically be split. It was, this, it was this really unique thing that would happen where half the room would be bullish, half the room would be bearish, and then I'd go around and ask people questions and they all have their answers. But it really the factor that plays into whether you're bullish or bearish is time. How long are you willing to be in this thing? And if it's short term, if it's a scalp, then you're going to be looking at trends and data and so forth that's really narrow. If it's long term, then you're going to be looking at trends and patterns and you know technicals that are more long term. And so we're going to do the same thing, but I'm going to give you a, a much longer view. And I like trading, day trading, not so much investing. I like investing like this. So when I invest, I'm not looking at the last week. In fact, I would change my charts to look more like this. Let's just change our time frames. We're going to want a day on this. Then we're going to want, actually, let's keep my day chart here. So I can keep all my drawing tools. We're going to do a week here. And then we're going to do a month on the last chart. And there's going to be some gaps in the data here. But we're going to bring it way back so I can see it on this. all of our drawings in place and there you go so here's our daily here's our daily here's our month uh why is this on a two hour that's not what i asked for weekly hmm. i'm not liking that some weird data that's going to screw up stuff so i'm not going to use that but we'll pull it up We'll pull it up and out like this. Ugh, gosh, that's ugly. What is that? Okay, well, I'm just gonna get rid of that chart. But here's here's how we set this up. Let's get this back to a day. We're gonna have to draw some new support and resistance levels. That's fine, anyways. When you're 
looking at two different ways of investing, short-term being more day trading, long-term being your investments, being large pieces of cash that you're holding out to a future outlook. You're, you want to kind of redraw your charts anyways, so you're not relying on data for scalping on your uh, long-term position. So I'm just going to go through this anyways. We're just going to delete these. This is the fast way to do this. But here's my daily, and we're going to go in long-term and really mark out some of our strong support and resistance levels based on what's happening here. So I'm going to really bring this back. And I want to bring it back to when, yeah, here we are in the 1600s. So we're going to grab some really strong support and resistance. And this is something that like I'm looking for a position or a trade that I would hold for probably three months or more. So in order to get three months of data future, I would go at least nine months back, nine, three times the amount of data, at least. And it might you might need to go more than that to get really strong support and resistance levels. But let's go ahead and mark our first support and then resistance off of the current price. So we're in 1939. So we want to be looking for something below that, that consistently the price has been hitting. And you can really see this one here, right? It's like right here. And because of where it's at, it's easy to see what it is. It's the rounded price of 1900. So we clearly have support at 1900. The way it plays through it, it comes through a little bit here, comes through a little bit here, here, here. But generally speaking, this is pretty strong support. Even came down and tested at a lower level, but we'll put a different price there for later. But we're looking for major support and resistance levels, guys, not small ones. There's clearly one here. And this one looks like our 1750 level. Yeah, it's actually higher than that. But it's it's close. It's like 751. We've got more support here. Around eight. This is clearly around 1800. And it likes to do that, by the way. It's very common in currencies to have support and resistance land at like zeros. It's just, and here's why people are lazy. They're lazy traders. They put their take profits and stop losses right at these zero numbers rather than actually doing some work. Uh, but that's fine. That, it's what happens. We clearly have resistance at an all time high 2050. This is saying 2074. We'll keep it there. We've got some resistance. This is the one that we drew up last time, remember? And this goes way back. This is going into previous years as well. So I like that current prices here. Is there anything that I would be afraid of? Okay, no. So I'm going to talk to you about some zones that I look for in trading. And I love trading zones, meaning they're areas where we have kind of this unique space. Let's see if I can highlight this, where there's massive room, meaning there's very little support and resistance between the ranges. And so you can see this massive zone and you can see the, the lack of support and resistance. I'm not saying it doesn't exist a little, but when you have these massive runs up, the same money typically when it comes back down pulls out. That's why you have the runs. That's why they will reflect each other. You'll have a massive run up, a lot of friction trading up here, and then it run down. And the reason is, is because once it crossed that level, whoever bought in that climbed it up, typically will buy it out when it comes down here. And that's why you'll have this fallout. You'll have this, it's literally what's happening in the market that causes these candles to get built like this is who's the whale? Who's the whale that got in that caused this? And will they pull out when it comes below it? And it's the answer is typically yes. So they're trying to grab profits, but if they don't hit it, you'll typically have a fallout. And so when I'm doing a trade like this, I'm going to be looking for a breakout, not a let's get in and go for it. So here, these are limit trades, meaning I'm putting in a trade that when it hits the price, I'm going for it and I'm taking it. And you guys know my position on gold right now. I'm very bullish. 
So I'm going to be looking for this zone. And it's the zone for when, not if, not if, when. Like, I really believe that. Like, the world would have to come to an end for gold not to come back up to 2000. I just, or we'd have to come up with some technology that turns water into gold. Like, that's the only thing I can imagine that would cause gold to be bearish because we're losing value in the dollar. So this zone is one I would target. But you got to know when to get in, when to get out. And I love trades like this. These are like no-brainer trades. It's going to make so much sense when you hear this. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. I'm so excited about this trade. Look at this. You don't get in now. You get in after it breaks the ceiling, right? It's like that. It's like thin ice on the bottom that you're pounding on to try to break into the water. Or it's literally a ceiling that you're constantly hitting on, hoping the ceiling comes out. And once it's hit it enough, it likes to break. Now, this time it tried it. And you can clearly see there is some resistance here also. This like friction here. So you could put it. In fact, that one's probably a bigger gap looking at this. But you could put an entry point either here, somewhere in this blue area, or above it. But either of these would be decent entries to grab this gap, to grab this, this run up, because then it is very likely that if it comes into this price point, it's going to hit the 2000, 2074, and then bounce and have some resistance, which then is time. And now what you're dealing with is more of like, what's my time worth rather than what's my trade worth? Because you can work yourself out of almost any trade if you've got enough capital. You can work yourself out of almost any trade if you've got enough time. But then what's your time worth, right? Is it worth 1% a year because you held it for 10 years to have it come back? No one wants to be in a trade like that. So you have to do some timing on this also. So this would be the trade that I'd be looking for. And this is how I would put it in. So I'm going to put in my entry. I'm going to give you two entry spots that look good. I like this one here. And then I might scale in. I'm going to delete this, guys, so you can see this. Change the color back. Make it a little bigger for you. So I would be looking at this. I like this entry. I think that's decent. I also like this one that was right above this level. And you literally want to be grabbing these right above that level. So give yourself some breathing room because a lot of times they hit the level and then bounce back, right? But you give yourself some breathing room. And then my exit on this would be right in here somewhere. And you can see consistently that it's hit that. You, you could get a little dangerous and go a little higher than that, but I would bring it into here. And then here's how you pl play your stops. You put your stops. Well, yeah, I'm gonna mark them. Your stop is gonna be below this level, right? So if you're putting it, your take profits here, you're gonna put your stop right about here. And then if you're gonna take this entry, you can actually have your stop be this 1970. So here's, two potential trades, but this is gold going long. I got to end, guys. We're getting right up on 10 o'clock. But here's entry number one, 1970. Entry number two, 1995. Both have an exit around 2,053. And your stop loss, whoa, where's my stop? My stop loss is at 1944. So you could have an entry here, entry here, or you could scale in. I like doing that also where it's like, okay, I've got this much I'm willing to trade this gold position in. I'm gonna buy half of it here. And then when it hits this, I'm gonna buy half of it again. And both of them are gonna have a stop loss in 1944 or somewhere around there. So look, we've got two gold trades that we put in. One that was very short-term, by the way, also bullish. One's more long-term, also bullish. It doesn't always work out that way. Uh, but with gold today, that's how it's going. So thanks for being on, guys. Hope this is helpful. We'll keep an eye on these trades. Um, I'll probably start an account just to like run these so that we can watch the trades that I make on here and kind of get an accounting for how that goes for this webinar. But uh, we put two potential trades together, three if you're scaling in or taking the second as a second trade. Uh, but yeah, let me know how you guys like the formatting on this. I'd love to get your feedback. I'm going to keep massaging this, but I like mixing it up, I like mixing news in with the trades, 
like how to get financial advice, but also how to get our heads screwed on. So we're going to do this same time, same place next week. Glad to be on here with you. Again, I'm Matthew Pole, your host, and uh, signing off. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks.